section twenty three of the three lieutenants this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the three lieutenants by william henry giles kingston chapter nineteen part one the tudor and supplejack at trinidad jack's account of his trip up the orinoco the vice-consul and his belongings a knowing pilot tom bit by a turtle tortoises the brig among the trees the tudor once more came to an anchor off port of spain in the beautiful island of trinidad terence adair had been appointed to her as first lieutenant and higson as second she was accompanied by the supplejack of which rogers still retained the command with bevan as his senior officer jos green as master and needham as boatswain the old shipmates were thus much to their satisfaction still employed together as soon as the sails were furled murray went on shore accompanied by jack and terence taking with them tom and gerald hickson had insisted on doing adair's duty of course you will want to go and call on your fair cousins and i never have been nor ever shall be a lady's man so they would not be well pleased to see me in your stead he said as he made the offer which terence very readily accepted after murray had delivered his dispatches to the governor he rejoined the two lieutenants who had in the meantime gone to pay a visit to antonio gomez they found the don just starting out for his country house and he as they expected at once ordered horses and insisted that they should accompany him donna caterina and her daughters will be delighted to see you and would not pardon me if i did not bring you along with me he said in a warm hearty tone they will be anxious to hear all about their sweet friend stella and what you have been doing since you were here last we some time ago received an account of colonel o'regan's death well well poor man i confess it was only what i expected he seemed determined to court such a fate and i could never make out why a person who could honourably live at his ease at home should be so eager to knock his head against stone walls however the tastes of people differ the horses having arrived the philosophical don led the way with murray by his side the party received a hearty welcome as before from donna caterina and her fair daughters and terence as usual had a long conversation with the old lady about bally macree he had however not much news to tell her he had only occasionally heard from home and the letters he had received were brief stating simply that things went on as usual gerald however pleased her much by showing her the letter from his mother in which she expressed her gratitude for the kindness he had received from his west india cousins though they had not been informed of murray's engagement to stella they very quickly guessed the truth and by adroitly questioning the midshipmen ascertained all particulars as far as they were known jack and terence 
very nearly lost their hearts as the young ladies were thus able to concentrate all those efforts to attract them which might have been expended in vain on the young commander but as they returned to their ships early the next morning they quickly recovered their usual serenity of mind i am afraid they would be very miserable at halliburton and i somewhat doubt whether mary and lucy would quite like them as sisters-in-law observed jack to terence while they were freely discussing the young ladies maybe the dear creatures wouldn't be quite as happy as i should wish them to be at ballymacree seeing that they mightn't take altogether to our ways said terence so i don't think that i'll make the promise i was meditating of coming back some day or other when i am a commander for instance and carrying one of them over to ireland with me on returning to town murray again called on the governor who told him that he had received a communication from a certain signor bernardo guedes acting as british consul at angostura up the orinoco complaining of outrages inflicted on certain british subjects as well as on himself and requesting that a man-of-war might be sent to punish the offenders as the navigation of the river is however very difficult i doubt whether a ship of any size could get up though perhaps the smallest of your vessels would be able to do so he added murray of course said that he should be happy to send the supplejack up should her draught of water not be too great and that he could perfectly trust her commander lieutenant rogers to act with discretion in the matter signor bernardo soon afterwards made his appearance he had not only come himself to make his complaint but had brought his wife with him without whom he observed he never moved from home he was not a very favourable specimen of a british consul and it was difficult to say how he had attained the post he was a short dark-skinned personage with apparently a mixture of negro blood in his veins with considerable volubility though in somewhat broken english he repeated all his complaints and finished up requesting that he might be conveyed with his wife back to his home but as we are not acquainted with the navigation it would be impossible for the brig to go up without a pilot observed murray oh dat sir i will provide he answered i will obtain the services of anselmo he knows every inch of de way up to agostura each sandbank and every snag i might almost say you saw the brig of war in the harbour do you think she will be able to get up so far asked murray oh yes captain your big ship even would get up as the waters are rising at present sure she might to be sure stick coming down though answered the consul thank you i should prefer then not attempting to take her up said murray laughing well captain murray i will leave you to make arrangements with the consul and i conclude that lieutenant rogers will be ready to give this gentleman and his wife a passage observed the governor i can answer for that answered murray as he took his leave accompanied by signor guedes 
he returned to the quay i conclude mr consul that you and your lady will be ready to go on board the brig this evening as she will sail to-morrow morning by daylight said murray where is signora guedes residing she my wife is on board that schooner dare the mail packet in which we came from angostura i left her locked up in the cabin answered the consul locked up in the cabin exclaimed murray with no little surprise beginning to suspect that rogers would have curious passengers on board the supplejack oh yes sir i always lock up my wife when i do go out for she is young you see and it is the safest plan she can then no run away herself and no one can run off with her that what i always fear it make my life miserable at angostura and this curious representative of the majesty of england shrugged his shoulders and made a grimace which showed the intensity of his feelings well go and get your wife and your traps and i will inform lieutenant rogers of the governor's wishes that he should afford you and your wife a passage home thank you sir answered signor guedes bowing low as he strutted off to a boat and returned on board the schooner which lay at a short distance from the shore murray had invited rogers to dine on board the tudor and a very pleasant party the three old messmates had they talked of times gone by and enjoyed a hearty laugh at the description murray gave of the consul and his fair partner i shall be happy to give up my cabin to the lady but i hope her husband won't lock her in it during the whole voyage at all events he cannot be afraid of any one running away with her while we are at sea i wish you may at all events enjoy the company of your passengers said adair laughing i want you to write me a full account of what occurs or the chances are that by the time you rejoin us you will have forgotten all about it jack promising to comply with adair's request returned to the supplejack somewhat earlier than he would otherwise have done that he might be on board to receive his expected guests he at once gave orders to his steward to clear out his cabin and prepare it for the reception of the consul's lady however as jack faithfully fulfilled his promise to adair we have the opportunity of giving an account of the expedition in his own words i had been walking the deck for some time thinking now of one thing now of another when a boat with two persons in the stern sheets came alongside and answered to the quartermaster's hail her majesty's british consul of angostura and his family the accommodation ladder had already been rigged in preparation for the arrival of these important personages the sides being manned the next instant a stout gentleman who must be i knew the consul began to ascend shoving up before him a veiled female figure she i rightly guessed was his wife i advanced to meet them and was about to address the lady when her husband informed me that she no speak english and as she is very tired she wishes at once to go to her cabin 
i accordingly conducted the veiled lady below from her figure and a glimpse i caught of her countenance as the light from the lamp fell on it as by chance of course her veil fell on one side i saw that she was young and undoubtedly pretty thus accounting for the jealousy displayed by her lord and master the old gentleman followed and remained for a short time in the cabin when he came out i observed that he examined the door and seemed rather nonplussed on discovering that there was no key with which he could follow his usual custom of locking up his better half i invited him to walk the deck with me that he might give me a fuller account of the circumstances which had occurred at angostura requiring the visit of a british man-of-war he told me a long rigmarole tale of an attack which had been made on his house by a party of brigands as he called them from venezuela the chief object of which as he suspected was to carry off his wife however they or some one else had pulled down the consular flagstaff a half-caste who claimed to be a british subject belonging to trinidad had been killed and two or three others had been made prisoners all the time he was speaking he was in a state of agitation and soon hurried back into the cabin to ascertain as he said whether his wife wanted anything he supped with us in the gun-room and though he played a very good knife and fork he exhibited the same uneasiness jumping up two or three times during the meal to pay his spouse a visit mctavish who had not suspected the cause of his anxiety remarked that he had never seen more devoted affection displayed and that he could not help admiring the old gentleman though he owned that he possessed very few other likable qualities for my own part i did not anticipate much pleasure in the society of my guests by break of day we got under way and stood for the boca de huevos or the umbrella passage till i consulted our sailing directions i had fancied that we might have made a short cut to the southward through one of the serpent's mouths but the hot current which sets into the gulf of paria caused by the immense mass of water flowing out of the orinoco would have effectually prevented us from gaining our object the longest way round therefore was the shortest to our destination a fresh breeze on our quarter enabled us to get out into the open sea sooner than i expected when we stood along the northern shore of trinidad to the eastward we carried the breeze with us till we rounded the point of galera i should not have supposed that trinidad is the fertile place it really is from the appearance of its northern shore which is that of an immense ridge of barren rocks not indeed till we were running down the eastern coast did its rich and smiling valleys again appear in view i had good reason to be glad that we had not attempted the serpent's mouth for when standing across from the southern end of trinidad towards the orinoco the wind fell light and we were nearly swept by the current back again into the gulf even before we came in sight of the mainland we found ourselves sailing through the bound waters of the mighty stream which as we got nearer its many mouths became almost the consistency of pea-soup 
and we had to keep a lookout to avoid the huge trunks of trees swept out by the current the ends of some of which broken off by lightning or the wind might have made an ugly hole in our bows we stood for the centre and broadest entrance of the river the only one through which we could make our way up against the current and hove to off the far from attractive-looking town of cangreos here we were to find the consul informed me the trustworthy pilot anselmo a signal having been made for a pilot a canoe speedily put off from the shore bringing on board a big mulatto dressed in an excessively dirty white jacket and trousers with a broad-brimmed straw hat which had seen better days on his head he greeted the consul with a profound bow and introduced himself to me as the pilot of the orinoco who knowed every part of de river from one end to de other and take up all de english ships which come dere well signor anselmo do you think you can pilot this brig and carry her back again without leaving her high and dry on a sandbank i asked oh yes sir if she twice the size i take her up all de same he answered with a scornful laugh at the supposition that he might not fulfil his engagement signor guedos assured me that you were the best pilot to be found for the river i remarked at his request we hoisted up his canoe which contained a hammock and several articles which he had brought off to administer to his creature comforts the only fresh provisions that we were able to procure at the place were three turtles one of which was immediately put to death the others were slung in hammocks and secured to temporary stanchions fixed to the bulwarks we kept the reptiles alive by covering them with damp swabs which were continually wetted as the heat absorbed the water we had to wait till the next morning when the sea breeze set up the river to enable us to stem the muddy current the shores on either side as far as the eye could reach were covered with dense masses of mangrove trees which rose up out of the water no firm ground being visible on either side the scenery indeed was not attractive though we supposed that in time we should come to something more interesting it was satisfactory to find that we did make headway though slowly i have said nothing about signor guedes and his better half he allowed her to come out to meals but he sat opposite to her at table and fixed a glance at her all the time and frowned savagely if he saw her for a moment turn her eyes towards me had i not suggested for the sake of her health that she should be allowed to come on deck i believe he would have kept her shut up in the cabin for the whole voyage when she did appear she was closely veiled and he stood by her the whole time looking expressively angry when any of the officers approached her though as she did not speak english few of them could exchange a word with her before we got into the river he had some reason for keeping her in her cabin for the poor lady was very ill several times i heard her blue beard of a husband scolding her fearfully and i felt strongly inclined to pitch him overboard 
she recovered rapidly when she got into the river and was able to hold her own and prove that she could scold as well as he could i won't bother you with an account of our daily progress which was as i have said dreadfully slow i had expected to witness grand and majestic views on the orinoco the second river in point of size in south america but its very width is a drawback from any beauty it might possess and although aware that the trees on either side are of great height they are so far off as to appear like mere bulrushes growing out of the water while the mountains of which we caught sight were at such a distance as to produce but little effect in the landscape when the breeze was fresh we made tolerable way through the water but directly it fell we were compelled to anchor or we should have speedily been swept down and lost all the distance we had gained we had to bring up every night and for some hours during the day so you will understand what toilsome work it was i suggested one evening to anselmo that as he knew the river so well we might run on when the breeze favoured us during the night he shook his head answering oh no sir that is not to be done we get into mischief i only pilot for the day as the rascal was paid by the day he was in no hurry nothing i could say would induce him to take charge by night i tried what threatening would do but he only smiled as he well knew that he had us in his power having gone on deck some time after sunset one evening and found a steady breeze blowing up the stream i thought i would again try to overcome his resolution i sent the quartermaster of the watch to look for him but he was nowhere to be found anselmo was called along the lower deck no answer came at last turning my eyes aloft i observed something unusual in the rigging and there between the main and foremast was slung a hammock in which the rogue had stowed himself after he had been repeatedly hailed he looked out of his eyrie and getting into the main rigging came down i asked him why he had taken up his berth aloft because sir it dare cool and pleasant no mosquito plenty air he certainly was not likely to have been interrupted as long as the sails were furled though had he suddenly awoke he would have run a great risk of toppling down on deck habit however is second nature and he i dare say recollected even in his sleep where he was had i at the time known one of his peculiarities i should have kept a stricter watch on him than i had done hitherto i soon however found it out we were brought up one day for want of a breeze when an american schooner loaded with hides came rapidly gliding down the stream anselmo begged to have his canoe lowered as he said that he had friends on board whom he wished to see i gave him permission and after a brief visit to her he returned singing merrily as he got alongside and his canoe again at his request was hoisted up it did not occur to me to send any one to look into her or to look myself soon afterwards the schooner was out of sight after waiting for some time a breeze sprang up and as we had not anchored in any great depth of water we soon got the anchor to the bows and made sail anselma was more loquacious than usual we had gone up a mile or two when i felt the vessel touch the ground as the breeze freshened however she glided on stirring up the thick mud at the bottom 
i rated our pilot soundly but he only laughed observing oh senhor capitan that is nutting i happened to remark that he made frequent visits to his canoe and in a short time after i went below when i returned on deck i found that he was completely drunk and not willing to trust the brig any longer to his charge as the wind also was falling i brought up of this fact however anselmo did not appear to be aware for he stood at his usual post conning her with the gravity of a post-captain who has royalty on board his ship starboard now steady port he sung out every now and then while holding on by a stanchion to support himself notwithstanding which he occasionally surged forward and i thought would have tumbled over on his nose while of course he afforded infinite amusement to the midshipmen and crew we were unable to move again during the day notwithstanding his condition he managed to climb into his hammock and sleep away the fumes of liquor next morning he seemed greatly surprised to find that the brig had not made better way and declared that she had dragged her anchor as to his certain knowledge we had sailed on three or four hours after we had left the spot where we were now brought up we had eaten another of our turtles i had ordered the last to be killed and was standing aft watching a large cowfish which came sweeping by on our quarter its snout and shining body rising just above the surface when i heard a loud cry from tom and saw him with one hand in the turtle's hammock dancing up and down and crying lustily quick quick if you don't he will have my thumb off i ran forward to his assistance and found that having forgotten at which end the animal's head lay he had intended as he said to give its tail a pull when to his dismay the creature's mouth caught his thumb with a boat-hook fortunately at hand i managed to wrench open the turtle's mouth and extract tom's thumb had the creature been in full strength it would undoubtedly have bitten it off even as it was though at its last gasp it had given him an ugly grip which necessitated his being under the care of mctavish for several days of animal life we saw but little though birds of gay plumage flew across the stream and cowfish porpoises and other creatures gambled in the waters we met also several floating islands composed of trunks of trees bound together by their branches and interwoven by cypos or long vines sometimes they were even covered with grass and on one of them was a jaguar still feeding on its prey and not aware of the fate which to a certainty awaited it the animal had probably leaped on the island to seize a deer which had taken refuge there when the victim and its destroyer had been together swept away the latter being afraid to venture into the rushing stream to make its escape it was too far off to shoot indeed i had no rifle ready when passing near the trees which grew in the water for land was nowhere visible i caught sight of flocks of herons resting on the branches i went on one occasion when we had brought up in anselmo's canoe and in an hour killed a sufficient number of them to serve all hands for breakfast having consumed our last turtle we became badly off for fresh provisions as we generally anchored too far from the trees to get a shot at a bird or to catch any of the animals which inhabited them 
occasionally however we were visited by the canoes of the natives who supplied us with bananas coconuts and the dried flesh of some large fish the most welcome provisions they brought us were a number of small land tortoises a foot and a half or two feet in length which were as delicate as anything i could wish to eat as we got higher up the river became somewhat narrower and we thus frequently had to pass close to the trees we had been making good way one morning with a fresh breeze when as the day advanced the wind began to fall still anselmo encouraged us with the hope that it would get up again and we continued our course under all the sail we could spread as he appeared to be perfectly sober at the time i had not as i generally did kept an eye on him and therefore did not bring up as i should have done finding however that we were going astern i ordered the anchor to be dropped and sent the hands to furl sails the topsails and topgallant sails had fortunately been handed and the men were coming down from aloft when the brig swung right in among the trees and the end of a thick bough which had been shivered by lightning or broken off by a storm ran through the head of the mainsail just under the gaff there we lay with our fore topgallant and topsail yards caught in the branches and our mainsail securely locked a pretty job it will be to get clear i thought though at present the brig had suffered no great damage she was in a position in which it would not have been satisfactory to remain long and i therefore ordered a boat to be lowered to carry out a kedge as it was necessary however first to clear our mainsail and yards i sent some hands aloft with axes to chop away the network of vines the nooses of which nearly caught two or three fellows and swung them off the yards into the trees End of chapter nineteen part one